Hi, travelers. You can listen to us on your travels on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Go ahead and check out the description of this episode so you can find the link to our link tree, get access to all of our socials, as well as our YouTube channel so you can watch all of our episodes in full. Okay, it is Thursday, December 28th. Happy holidays today. Having on Steve uh, McGeehan, excuse me, News 9 in Oklahoma City, talking all things Thunder. Awesome year they're having this year. Third seed, were ninth seed last year in the play-in. Didn't even make the playoffs, lost to Minnesota in that play-in tournament. But now a three seed, looking really good. Going to break down what's working for them and how the rest of the season goes. Going to break down today the um, New Year's Six games going on that will be happening over this weekend. And on uh, Monday, of course, as well. Already had a guest on for all the other, all the four teams in the playoffs. So Michigan, Alabama, Texas, and Washington. Uh, we are definitely going to break down all the other, uh, the other four New Year's Six games, Peach, Cotton, all that. But first, let's break down, guys. Really rapid fire, uh, really rapid fire. Excuse me. Week seventeen games or week sixteen games. Excuse me. I want to start with Bengals uh, Steelers. Uh, start with the Saturday games first. Bengals Steelers, uh, Rudolph, I think, should have been the quarterback all year long. That's my only takeaway from this game. He played absolutely amazing. Bengals offense was non-existent, and they're really missing Jamar Chase. But, yeah, Rudolph, I mean, absolutely amazing. He should have been pretty much just, uh, the quarterback all year long uh, for the Steelers because he came out and he played better than I really thought he would play. He should have been at least the backup instead of Mitch Trubisky. And they finally got George Pickens involved, three touchdown catches, you know, this is the version of Pickens we've been waiting all year for. This is the version of the Steelers' offense we've waited all year for, and it came at the right time. And I mean, tough loss for the Bengals because now they're probably going to be on the outside looking in. They're going to Kansas City this week, and they play the Browns Week 18. And you know, Jake Browning, he made a lot of great throws the last couple of weeks. Didn't make a whole lot of great throws this week. Very telling that um, that Rudolph was the quarterback here that picked up the offense for the Steelers, and instead of Kenny Pickett or uh, or Mitch Trubisky, probably the first two quarterbacks on the depth chart. So uh, I think Rudolph has definitely earned his place as a starter, maybe even as a backup in Pittsburgh. Well, we'll, we'll go through kind of rapid, sty- uh, rapid style again, uh, week 17 games coming up after we break down the uh, bowl games coming up this weekend. But this is going to be one of my most intriguing games coming up Steelers next weekend because I want to see how they're going to play again they need to keep it consistent because they they can play well again it's going to be Steelers are going to be a scary team to face in the playoffs if they do make the playoffs at at least I mean they're going to be a scary team especially if they play uh, offensively well two games in a row because we all know their defense is solid so they can play offensively well two two games in a row going into the playoffs it's going to be a you know scary team to face in the playoffs if they were to make it Bill's Chargers uh I, weird game. I thought this game would be weird. Chargers just fired Staley, of course, and then the Bills have been having problems all year. It was a it was a rough win for the Bills, and I think a lot of people are saying Bills are a sleeper team in the playoffs now, but I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this. I mean, if the Bills would have lost this game, I think this rhetoric would have been completely different because a lot of people are saying that no one wants to play the Bills in the playoffs, but they people don't really realize. I mean, they barely won this game against a really bad Chargers team. So what are your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, they looked really sloppy all all game, except really it took you know, heroics in the fourth quarter to, to get out this win. I think they're still a playoff contender. I know it was a close game against the Chargers, but I'm still going to ride with the Bills here. And I think they might be... Now I think they're starting to get 
things back on track ever since Ken Dorsey was fired as the offensive coordinator. Joe Brady has made Josh Allen into the quarterback that everybody has talked about throughout his career. And I think Josh Allen is definitely turning the Bills around. And the Bills, they they still could be a contender in the AFC. Um, maybe not win the division, but maybe that comes down to the Dolphins in Week 18 yeah. of Miami. Yeah, that's all they need is just to win this week and have the Dolphins lose to the Ravens. I think this is the perfect trap game. The Bills played their best game of the season against the Cowboys. The Chargers played their worst game of the season. So you knew that that was kind of going to get reversed. And, you know, with an interim coach, Chargers are going to come out and play hard. I, I don't look at this as anything more than Buffalo escaped. Good for them. And, you know, there's no such thing as a bad win in the NFL. If you felt good about the Bills before this game, you should still feel good about them. Browns, Texans, uh, Flacco, Amari Cooper, really, really good together. And the Texans really need Stroud back. That's That was my that's that's my takeaway. Yep, that <laughs> I don't pretty much sums it up. Else. That sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also pretty fast, Commander Shets. I think Jacoby Brissett should have been the Commander's quarterback all year long. Yeah, I, played really there's well. no there's no purpose in sitting Sam Howell to end the season when you've got a quarterback that you know he's a veteran that's going nowhere. You might as well just ride it out. I, I don't get that. Yeah, maybe ride it out for next year with Howell. Brees Hall played a good game too. 95 rushing yards, uh, his most since his 177 yard game in Week Five against the Broncos. So Brees Hall resurgence as well. Other takeaway from this game. Seahawks Titans, Geno Smith came back from that groin injury. Finally, uh, just did enough to get them a win against the Titans at home. Um, so yeah, that's that's my uh, only other takeaway. I mean, Vikings lost this weekend as well. We'll get to that. But the uh, Seahawks, if they went out, they'll make the playoffs. So that's right. Something they that will. Didn't, didn't really think would happen, and yeah. it's gonna you know it's it's a same now. winning score back to back weeks. It's just they did it with different quarterbacks this week. Last week it was Drew Locke. This week it was Geno, and you know they did it on the day that they didn't really run the ball. Uh, Seattle's got the Steelers and the Cardinals. I think they've got a pretty good chance to yeah. win out and make the playoffs. Colts Falcons offensive line really bad for the Colts. Um, pretty that offensive line has been the most consistent factor for the Colts all year, and that's been it was really bad against the Falcons yep. on uh, I think it was what Saturday no Sunday they played, uh, but yeah now it's um that's all my only takeaway from that game too. Pretty much. Um, so it's yeah. The AFC South nobody wants to win it. Uh, Packers Panthers. Um, what do I have about the Packers Panthers? Bryce Young, best game of his year, or uh, best game of his career. Uh, Bryce Young, that is. Uh, Packers offense, though, looked back on track, so they were able to come away with that victory. But yeah, I mean, what are you thinking about that? I think it was Bryce Young's best game of his career, best in career uh, yards, three hundred and twelve uh, yards per attempt at just under nine, and a passer rating of one hundred and thirteen. I mean, this is all while he tossed for a pair of touchdowns and zero interceptions. So. Yeah, Bryce Hall, I mean, Bryce Young, excuse me, coming in way too late, but uh, best game of his career. Very good game for Bryce Young, uh, and I think the uh, I think the Packers, it was a good win for them, but uh, Bryce Young could be good next year if he has the right coaching around him in Carolina. And, and Packers, on the Packers side, like I said, their offense came back looking really well. They Without their top three receivers, they still flourished, and obviously, like I said, we're able to get that get that win against the the Panthers in yeah, Panthers in Carolina. Lions Vikings uh what I have about the, the Lions Vikings uh Lions didn't really convert on third down a lot but when they did it was in crucial times and then of course they also had those crucial fourth down conversions too. Kept the momentum going all game long it seems. 
Uh, Lions, despite the Lions having four interceptions, it could have been worse, though. It looks like, I mean, they should have even had more interceptions than uh, those. But, uh, you know, that they were able to play on both sides of the ball very well, move the ball all game very, very well. And like I said, uh, were a nightmare for the Vikings in the backfield. And, you know, we were able to get back on track. And uh, they needed a game. They needed a game badly where their defense did show out and play well because that's been a very bad rhetoric for the team for a long time. So good for the good for the Lions, able to come out and get a win against the Vikings. First division title in thirty years. Uh, it wasn't even called. I don't even think it was called the um, NFC North back then. It was the Central. It was, I, so t- yeah, technically, technically, it was the first time they win. The first time they clinched the NFC North ever. That's right. <laughs> Sunday slate, uh, uh, late slate Sunday, Jags. Bucks, um, yeah, Baker was protected all game. He and he continues to play amazing, and Trevor is clearly not okay, and turnovers continue to be a big issue for him. So my only takeaway from this game is really just the quarterback uh, rhetoric, the quarterback narrative, and uh, Baker. He's been playing absolutely amazing. Offense scored on its first six possessions, and uh, yeah, like I said, Baker just had all the time in the world, protected pocket, barely was pressured, and uh, Bucks were able to – Come away with the Jags. Yeah, Bucks have been as hot as anybody in football as of late. Baker's playing maybe the best of any quarterback in the NFC, and the Jags, they've lost four in a row. They've got a lot of questions. Their quarterback can't stay healthy. Yeah, uh, like I said, Trevor Lawrence, is, his giveaway issues are you know a major, major concern. Like I said, he's not feeling the best, of course. Through two interceptions in the first half, that led to two touchdowns for the Buccaneers, 14-point swing there, and then his fumble also left to a led to a 21-point giveaway for the Bucks as well. So yeah, big, big takeover issues, eight giveaways. That's five interceptions and three fumbles in his last three games and has 19 turnovers in his 15 games as well. So yeah, unacceptable for a franchise quarterback, but he is dealing with that shoulder injury and hopefully he can get back soon. Cardinals, uh, Bears, uh, Bears were in Kyler Murray's face pretty much all game. And it was just a really good game for their pass rush. Bears are uh, getting the best of both worlds right now. They're six and eight and they've shown some signs of life and they're still going to get the number one pick in the draft because Carolina's they own Carolina's pick Dolphins Cowboys uh Dolphins were simply just better at scoring uh obvious statement but Cowboys had a bad they had a hard time getting into the red zone or getting into that they weren't they were in the red zone a lot but they had a hard time getting into the end zone excuse me yeah and uh, we knew it would be a high scoring game and a fun game to watch it certainly was but uh Dolphins only had three more first downs and only 36 more total yards on the game. So close game. We all thought it would be a close game, but like I said, Dallas just struggled to punch anything into the reds or punch anything into the end zone and uh, just yeah, had a hard time just uh, scoring and uh, compared to the Dolphins that is. And of course that leads to a win with the Dolphins, how that will work out a hundred percent of the time. Jason Sanders, five field goals. Yeah. It's crazy. Sunday night football, Patriots, Broncos, Zappy played uh, pretty solid for the Pats. Sure I, did. Pretty, I mean, hey, no one saw that really coming. Uh, New England defense, turnovers led the points. And Broncos had chances to win, but just squandered them. I mean, they just they ran every play of each of their first three drives in New England's territory, but only came away with one score. Uh, they had a chance for a drive uh, to win the game, but failed miserably. And then the Pats let the Pats you know, do it instead. So the Broncos had chances, but again, their deep New England's defense turned the ball over on the Broncos all game and Zappy able to do enough to get a win. Monday slate Raiders chiefs. 
I think we can clump the Raiders, Chiefs, and the Giants, Eagles together. I mean, I'm yeah. very concerned about the Chiefs and the Eagles. Uh, Chiefs obviously did lose. Eagles won, but still bad games for each each team. We'll start with the Raiders and Chiefs. I mean, Raiders couldn't even throw the ball, but they still have ways to win, and the Chiefs' offense just looked inept. Well, for both yeah. teams, I mean, I'll say this about both the Chiefs and the Eagles, more so for probably the Chiefs and really both teams, there's not really a runaway contender in the AFC. And you can even say in the NFC. Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore, yeah, yeah Baltimore, Baltimore yeah. definitely. But I would say the NFC right now, I mean, San Francisco's probably the lead leader in the clubhouse right now, but there are a few injuries away on offense from really going down on the pecking order. Let's say Brock Purdy got hurt, which he did. It's not a serious injury, but an injury for San Francisco is not good. And you saw what the Ravens did to them. Uh, the Ravens are a serious threat. Yeah, the Ravens are the clear favorite in the AFC right now. The Chiefs are going to have to play on the road, it looks like, for the first time in the playoffs. And their offensive line's bad. Their receivers are bad. Can't run the ball. Other than that, they're playing great. Raiders' defensive line was amazing. Uh, was amazing, my only other point in this game. Uh Six, uh, four sacks, seven tackles for a loss, and Mahomes running all game. Uh, the Chiefs had no running game, which isn't good when their receivers can't catch, of course. And, um, yeah, just uh, fumble recovery for a TD and a pick six as well for the Raiders. So just good game. Raiders defense dominating. I mean, their offense, like I said, couldn't really get much done. But defense wins championships, they say, and it definitely won this game for the Raiders. Giants-Eagles. Um, Eagles win, but... Um, not convincing. Ugly. It's still ugly. Yeah, I mean, Justin, you can go ahead. I'll let you start with that. Yeah, not a convincing win for the Eagles. Uh, Jalen Hurts still continuing some of the turnover issues that he's had this year. Um, for Hurts, I still think he can win games. I still think he's a top quarterback. But the problem is, is that the turnovers are a concern this year. And coaching for the Eagles, too, as... They really had the game against the Giants. The special teams play when Zacchaeus bumped into Boston Scott. That let the Giants back in the game, and then the Jalen Hurts throwing a pick six to Adore Jackson. He takes it to the house. That was a close game for the Eagles, and are they a serious football team right now? I'll ask you guys that. Are the Eagles a serious I think they have a lot of holes. I think so. I think they could still win the NFC, but I think they're very flawed. Yes. Mm-hmm. I still think they're flawed too, but can they, they, they still could win the NFC. Even Detroit could win it. Sure they can. Or still the Niners can, obviously. I'd still say the Niners. Yeah. I don't think the Niners are a lock, but I still think they're the favorites, they're the favorites right now. Dallas, yeah. maybe, maybe not. Maybe not Dallas because... They can't win an impressive game on the road against a big contender. That includes the Bills, the Dolphins, the 49ers, Eagles, even losing to the Cardinals earlier this year for Dallas. So I think the NFC is wide open. The AFC, the only reason, the one thing I will not say about Baltimore not being a clear ferret is Lamar Jackson's playoff record. Can he turn it around this year? in the playoffs. Well, we can get into that game. I mean, I mean, you kind of already been touching on it, Justin, but the last game, uh, Sunday night, or I guess Monday night football, um, you know, this week 16 slate, uh, Ravens, 49ers, 49ers did not look good. And Ravens just looked really, really good. And that's, that's my, uh, that's my analysis of the game. 
four turnovers for yeah, four turnovers for Brock Purdy. The Ravens, they showed who's the best team in the NFL right now. There's no doubt about it. They can win in a variety of ways. That defense is phenomenal. They ran the ball effectively. But even in a game where you know they didn't run the ball a ton early, Lamar was able to make plays with his arm and with his legs. And we're seeing the full development of Lamar as a pocket passer, I think, over the last couple weeks or so. I think they're clearly the favorite in the AFC. I think they're clearly the favorite right now in the NFL. And as far as the 49ers are concerned, I'm not overly worried about them because three of their four losses are against the AFC North. They won't have to play any of those teams unless they meet in the Super Bowl. I don't know if anybody in the NFC can match the physicality of the 49ers. Yeah, bad game for the 49ers, but still an awesome team, of course. Uh, they just had no momentum at home to start the game. Uh, for uh, Their first four drives, three had turnovers. <laughs> so yep. that just it erased any momentum. Then, of course, Lamar Jackson. If Lamar Jackson plays even decent the next two games he's mvp of the league i think that's pretty much was i mean decided at this point mm-hmm. by if you would ask a lot of people i think a lot of people would say the same thing as long as he just plays the game decently well the next two games he's going to be mvp of the league and ravens as always uh both sides of the ball complimentary football just played really really well turnovers and then their offense was just lighting it up as well thursday night footballs tonight i don't have much else to say uh brown should win jets are very bad yeah about it. Yeah, Flacco, second quarterback in Browns history to record record three straight 300-yard passing games and the first in Browns history to throw for 300 yards and three straight wins. So, yeah, the you know, the former MVP, third oldest player in NFL history to record three straight 300-yard games and that's only behind Tom Brady and Warren Moon. So, love to see the resurgence. It's pretty awesome and like I said, Jets are just terrible. So, him and Amari Cooper, I think are going to light it up and I think we've already kind of touched on that a little bit as mm-hmm. well. Bowl games coming up December nineteenth. We'll start with them. Like I said, we already kind of touched base. I'll let you guys say whatever you guys what you guys want to say about the Sugar Bowl, Rose Bowl, but already touched base on those games a lot. We, uh, you know, you can go back to previous episodes. We had we had a guest on for every single team. We broke down the matchups pretty in depth in in those interviews, but didn't really touch on the uh, you know the other of the four. New Year's six games, and we'll start with the Cotton Bowl right now, December nineteenth or December twenty ninth. Excuse me. Uh, backup quarterback for Ohio State against Missouri. Uh, backup quarterback Devin Brown is expected to play against Missouri with McCord's departure. Uh, Buckeyes are the Missouri's highest ranked bowl opponent since the 1970 Orange Bowl. Uh, yes, so it's going to be a def- it's going to be a tough matchup for uh, Missouri. I want to get your thoughts, Zach. I mean, what do you think about this game? I mean, I know you I know you'll be watching. Yeah, uh, it depends on if Ohio State's motivated because their season basically ended against Michigan, and they felt that for an entire month. It, it does seem like that most of their guys are going to play in this game, so, except for Marvin Harrison Jr. Because of course he's going pro; he's going to be a top five pick. But it seems like everybody else is going to opt in to play in this game at the very least, if not come back next year. So Ohio State should be pretty close to a hundred percent for this game. But Missouri, this is one of the biggest games in program history. That's what worries me about this game, and <laughs> I think Ohio State will win. But I think it's going to be close. I think, you know, if Ohio State shows up motivated and shows up ready to go, I think they can go out there and win this game. But Missouri's going to, you know, that's a team with Brady Cook, a good quarterback, and a team that's got a lot to play for. This is one of the biggest games in program history. So I, I think this is going to be a very intriguing game. It's essentially a pick in Vegas, and I can definitely see why. It's going to be a big game for Missouri, especially, like I said, just going into next year. You want momentum, and they're trying to build something big in, in that program, obviously. Played well against Georgia. Missouri, they played really, really well against Georgia. They proved that they can fight 60 minutes against a really good team with the really elite talent uh, players on the team. So it's going to be a, definitely a good game. And like you said, Zach, they have 
they have the motivation factor for sure against Ohio State, and it's going to, you know, I, I agree it's a pick them, and it's going to be an interesting game, really fun game to watch. Peach Bowl, December 30th, Ole Miss, Penn State. Ole Miss will need to play a balanced game to win. Uh, they're a little bit more unpredictable than Penn State. Penn State is really talented, faster, and physical on defense. Uh, they held 12 opponents to 15 or fewer points, and the net, uh, Rebels need to be able to mix it up on offense to be able to get anything really done against Penn State, and that's my biggest takeaway. Um, rushing defense in Penn State is absolutely amazing. Uh, the Rebels can be uh, pretty unpredictable on offense, so I just I think Penn State will end up coming away with this game. I think their defense is going to end up holding Ole Miss and they're going to end up coming away with this game. And I think Ole Miss does win this game here. I think Penn State against top teams, especially under James Franklin, has not been the best. I think Ole Miss coming into this game, led by Jason Dart or Jackson Dart, who's thrown 20 touchdowns and five interceptions on the season, against Drew Alter, who's only thrown one interception on 23 touchdowns for Penn State. Very impressive for Drew Alter. But I think that uh, I think Old Miss comes away with the win here. Yeah, I like Ole Miss as well because I don't trust James Franklin in these kind of spots. Penn State's offense has been iffy in big games this year. Ole Miss, I think, has a little bit more firepower, so I'm I'm going with the Rebs. Penn State will need to lean on their defense. I don't think the offense is going to win this game for Penn State. It's going to be the defense, like I kind of said earlier. And Dart, you mentioned Dart, Justin. He he has an ability to, to run and scramble, and that should pay dividends in this game too. If uh, like I said, especially with uh, that pass rush that Penn State has and their amazing defensive line and being able to stop any kind of run. Orange Bowl, Georgia against FSU December 30th. Awesome. This is going to be an amazing game uh, for many, many reasons. Yeah, I thought it would be. Georgia's got like 20 players transferring Florida State. Their best receivers, their best running back, their best quarterback, or their best available quarterback, all opting out of this game, and I don't blame them because this game means absolutely nothing, and you know, for if you're Florida State, why are you? What's the motivation to play in this game? So, George is probably going to win comfortably, but I mean, this game sounded much bigger than it was, or it sounded bigger the day it was it came out than what it's actually going to be. It's a shame, yeah. What, what, like you said, it's a shame because this would be an awesome game on paper. Obviously, Georgia, if all if everyone plays in Georgia, prop could argue it's still one of the best yeah. teams, if not the best teams in the league, probably at yeah. least top four. And FSU has proven that they're top four too, and it's and they got snubbed, and that's the whole you know we already said that at length. It definitely would have been a cool game if everyone played, but I don't like you said, Zach. I don't really blame them to to sit nope. out. No, no, no. So Fiesta Bowl, let's do Fiesta Bowl. Uh, Liberty in Oregon. I kind of said this from the beginning. This is a January first game, along with uh, the playoff games. I've already said this already, but I think it's a little weird that Oregon is playing Liberty. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit of a uh, slap in the face to Oregon. Liberty, of course, playing a very good season, but still not the caliber of Oregon. I think Oregon is still a top at least five team in the league. Uh, so it's just, what do you guys think on this game coming up? Liberty needs to keep Bo Nix off the field, and they need to run the ball well in order to win this game. I mean, what else do you guys want to really uh, – uh, show to this game. I think it's more of a slap in the face to Liberty that they're playing Oregon. I mean, I know Liberty could be the underdog and basically be a Cinderella story here against Oregon, but Liberty and Oregon should not be playing each other in the Fiesta Bowl. I think Liberty should be playing uh, a different team, but I think Oregon is got the win in this game. They have the advantage 
Bo Nix has had an outstanding season along with the Oregon offense, so I think Oregon wins this year. Yeah, I expect Oregon to win this game rather comfortably. I think they're going to want to make a statement after losing out on a potential playoff uh, berth against Washington. Bo Nix is going to play in this game. I think Oregon, where they're just going to manhandle Liberty's in the trenches. So I, I got the Ducks. Yeah, uh, the Flames, Liberty, awesome running game, but that's against a much. I mean, they were, they were facing much lesser opponents than Oregon. They they do have the country's best running game at. 303 yards per game. Like I said, the talent has not been the same as it was for Oregon. And Oregon just needs to play their style of football, explosive offense, um, and just really just have Knicks kind of cook this game. And I don't think they'll have any problems really taking care of Liberty. You know, offense, top-ranked unit in the country, control the pace of the game, control the pace to their liking that they always do. Like, they're so well at doing. And uh, defense, I just mentioned how Liberty is one of the best running teams in the country, while Oregon is probably one of the best running defenses in the country as well. And it's uh, yeah, it's going to be a really, really tough matchup for Liberty. And I'm actually surprised it's on January 1st. I'm really surprised they didn't have this game a little, uh, you know, this wasn't another, you know, one of the games you know, leading up into the New Year's. Let's break down um, this upcoming week of the NFL, uh, kind of, you know, NFL, college football, NFL sandwich here. But we're just going to go uh, break down games that we think are the most intriguing. We're not going to really go through our whole, you know, rundown like we always do, but we're just going to kind of break down what games we think are the most intriguing coming up. I've already mentioned it with the Bills. I want to see the Bills come out and play well. Uh, I mentioned the Steelers. I want to say this. I want to see the Steelers really come out and play well next week and see what they can do. See if they can keep this momentum going uh, with Rudolph under center against the Seahawks. And then, of course, the Seahawks have to win out as well in order to make the playoffs. So that's going to be a, a very intriguing game for me. Any other games that are really intriguing for you guys coming up in this week uh, 17 slate in the uh, NFL? Easily Dolphins-Ravens. Easily yeah, Dolphins and Ravens. That's, that's an MVP battle right there. Lamar Jackson, probably the favorite right now for the NFL MVP. But Tua Tagovailoa, he might be behind. He might be behind Lamar Jackson for the MVP. But I think he should be in the conversation and definitely should win the comeback player of the year for the Dolphins. So I think this is, this is the basically the battle for the number one seed in the AFC and possibly for the NFL MVP. And I'm shocked that this isn't a Sunday night game. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. should be the Sunday night game ahead of the Packers and the Vikings. Uh, if I'm going to go outside of this game, I'm going to go to the Saturday night game. I'm going Detroit and Dallas because Cowboys have just been the best home team in the league this year, 7-0. and They've only really played one close game, and that was the Seahawks on a Thursday night a couple weeks ago. If you're the Lions, you want to show that you're for real, go down to Dallas, give yourself an opportunity to win this game. And if they can do that, they'll probably get at least the number two seed, if not have an outside possibility of getting the number one seed if the 49ers were to stumble against probably the Rams in Week 18. So uh, kind of a statement chance for the Lions. You know, If you win at Arrowhead and you win at Dallas, there's not much that anybody can say as far as this team isn't for real. And if you're the Cowboys, you need this one against another good team because the one consistent knock against them is outside of the Eagles, they really haven't beaten too many good teams this year, so I'm really looking forward to that game. Yeah, um, it, uh, you mentioned NFC is still on the table. I mean, anyway, you can still win yes. the NFC for sure. Eagles are playing bad. Niners just got blown out, and Cowboys are still a really good team. I mean, they played, they did play well against the Dolphins last week. They just weren't able to get it done. It's going to be the defense is going to win that game. Lions, uh, Cowboys, the defense will win that game because both teams are going to score a lot. So it's whoever you know, a crucial stops and forcing you know some. One or two crucial turnovers, not to state the obvious, but that will be the uh, absolute uh, 
factor in this game. Jameer Gibbs, he's emerging for the Lions. That's going to be something to look out for too. And then CeeDee Lamb, of course, is playing just absolutely amazing. 109 passes, first in the NFL he's caught. And, uh, you know, for only 151 target targets, Sue. So his completion rate is just amazing. And then he's has over 1,400 yards of total offense as a receiver as well, which is second in the NFL. So, yeah, CeeDee Lamb playing amazing. Jameer Gibbs emergence. And this offense is going to be – explosive with each other and it's just going to be a really really uh you know big big game panthers jacks can be kind of weird um <laughs> carolina looked really good last last week like we already mentioned that uh, bryce young had his best game of his career uh jags desperately need a win i mean jags cannot lose this game but they have actually looked awful recently they've uh, little rhythm on both ends of the field and the turnover issues have been a big big issue as well so that's going to be kind of intriguing to me jags definitely have to uh, have to win that game. Broncos benching uh, Russell Will or uh, Russell uh, Wilson, excuse me. Uh, that's going to be kind of weird. Uh, I don't. That's I mean, Broncos playoff chances I think is at like five percent right now. So that's going to be, uh, you know, I I don't really blame them for doing that. They're just looking ahead looking ahead for next week. Um, but yeah, Rams Giants. I mean, Giants played decently well against the Eagles uh, last week, but I do think the Rams will take down the Giants. I want to see if the Giants can kind of come back and play good like they did last week, especially on defense, especially on turning the ball over. And uh, I most importantly, I, importantly, I want to see Rams continue to their offensive prowess that they've had so far because uh, you know you, you talk of teams about like the uh, Steelers or Bills, like Rams are definitely another team that you do not want to see in the playoffs. Uh, you know, going forward, especially if you're, you know, you're one of the top seeds and they're one of the bottom seeds, so kind of like the Bucks as well. Bucks and Rams, are like those two teams in the NFC that you definitely would not want to play. Um, you know, as you, if you're a higher uh, tier, a higher seeded team in the NFC mm-hmm. playoff bracket. Let's move on. New week's resolutions. Zach, we'll start with you. What is your new week's resolution? I want people to see what bowl games are, and that is basically. The first spring game of next year. The, the the way that we look at the 2023 teams, the versions of these teams, that's over with because guys are opting out, guys are entering the transfer portal, guys are doing this and that. This is basically what we're doing now is we're waiting to see who's going to break out, the, the freshmen, the sophomores, the guys that aren't starting, who's going to be the guy that kind of stands out and makes his uh, case to be the guy next year. So I, I know everybody's going to look at the final record. They're going to look at, oh, you beat a top 10 team or you beat this team in a bowl game. The reality is the 15 extra practices and the fact that you get an opportunity to essentially treat this like the first scrimmage game or first spring game, I think is the way that people need to start looking at any bowl game that isn't the college football playoff. Uh, my my uh, new week's resolution, offensive line for uh, the te- Texas, for the Longhorns, will need to show up against Washington on January 1st. Uh, they've, you know, when Ewers, uh, Quinn Ewers, he's protected. He has amazing games. And then when he's not protected, he struggles badly. He struggles a major, majorly against uh, teens when he doesn't have good protection. But uh, when he does have good protection, he absolutely plays his best games of his career. And so that's going to be my new week's resolution. Heading into the Sugar Bowl with Washington, he's going to need to be protected big time. And it's uh, I, I need to see the wash, uh, offensive line for Texas really step up to to give the you know, give the Longhorns a chance against an explosive, explosive Washington team, especially on offense, but also very good pass rushers as well. Justin, what is your new week's resolution? I'm going to go with NFL scheduling. 
Obviously not putting the Dolphins and Ravens on Sunday Night Football, but at least start to announce the time of some games in Week 18, especially with some teams out of the playoff mix and some teams probably going to rest their starters. I know they're waiting for, uh, for Sunday to announce it and announce the Sunday Night game there. But uh, at least announce some of the times, especially Jets-Patriots. That's going to be a Week 18 game at 1 o'clock that nobody's going to want to watch. Uh, you know, you go with the Browns and the Bengals. That, that could be a, uh, a, a primetime game, maybe a 4 o'clock game. Bears-Packers, looking at this, uh, the Packers, especially if they lose this week, that could be a 1 o'clock game. And then you go with... Falcons and Saints, that, that probably could be a a one o'clock game as well. And then you go and then you go with the rest of the games, which are kinda up in the air. Kinda up in the air right now. And obviously some of the games being West Coast and East Coast games. So I, I think the NFL should start announcing some of the week eighteen times uh this week. They don't do that typically until Sunday before Week 18. Technically... That's just a general practice. Yeah, that is, but technically they uh, they used to do it, announce 1 o'clock games, and then move whatever game uh, it is that everybody wants to see to the 8 o'clock game on Sunday night. Yeah. But I see. I think they got to balance, because you want some game, 1 o'clock games to have some meaning. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just have everybody <laughs> be able to skip the 1 o'clock slate. Yeah. But it should be. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. you got to make it interesting. It's hard, to, it's hard to schedule, though. I definitely don't envy them, because it's definitely... Definitely hard to schedule, especially with, you know, obviously playoff That's impl- right. implications. Yep. All right, guys, let's move on. Steve McGee, News 9 in Oklahoma City. Awesome interview with him. Breakdown, everything, Thunder. Uh, they're, uh, they're, they've been playing amazing. Like I said, they were a ninth seed last year. Didn't even make the, uh, th- didn't even make it out of the play-in. Lost to Minnesota. And now they find themselves as a three seed playing Amazing, uh, probably the best shooting team in the country. One of the best shooting teams in the country, both field goals and three point percentages. But we'll get to all that with him. And yes, yeah, so without any further ado, let's head to the Midwest and talk to Steve in Oklahoma City. Okay, we now head to the uh, uh, Midwest. Excuse me. Talk to Steve McGee uh, from News Nine. Steve, you cover the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, how long have you been doing that for? How long have you been co- covering the Thunder for News 9? Well, I got here in 09, and then uh, about nine and a half years ago, during the offseason, they asked me, how would you like to cover the Thunder home and away? And I thought it was kind of a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and I said, sure, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then um, then about five minutes later, I'm in the office with the, the, the management, and I said, hold on here. Let me, I have a daughter and I have a wife. I got I to gotta get their permission first. Sure. And they gave me the thumbs up, and here we are some nine years later, still going up uh, to as many games as we can. My first year, I went to over 100 basketball games. That was Durant's last year in Oklahoma City. And then uh, I tried to go to probably about 90% home and away. That's awesome. It's it's a long schedule, as you know. <laughs> it's a very long schedule. It's only getting longer, it seems like. Every every five years, it only gets longer, just like, just like the NFL, every other sport. Wants, wants more money, right? They want more games, want more money. So it's going <laughs> to, we'll money. see what it looks like in 10 years from now. But let's talk about Oklahoma City Thunder, though. Last year, ninth seed, uh, beat, uh, they, they beat the first, one in the first round uh, in the mid, in the play in tournament and then did lose to, I think it was Minnesota, correct? They lost to Minnesota in the, the play in. Yeah, they, they knocked off New Orleans in New Orleans. Uh, of course, the Pelicans were without uh, Zion Williamson, but mm-hmm. still, it was a good road win. It was a game that you felt like, I don't see the Thunder losing this game as it went 
further and further along and they ended up winning comfortably, I thought, and uh, maybe a little scared at the end there, but he never felt like they were going to lose that game. And then the Minnesota game was pretty much all Timberwolves uh, almost from the start. The crowd was into it much more than New Orleans. It was a playoff atmosphere. And I thought that was a great learning experience for the Thunder, just to be in that type of environment in a so-called must-win situation. These guys we know about, they're well, they're young, one of the youngest teams in the NBA, still I think the second youngest right now. So they're still learning. they got to get that experience. So I thought even though they lost that game, that game was probably their most important game last year. Well, let's talk about that now, though, because now they find themselves – at the three seed in the Western Conference. And of course, last year, like I said, they ended in the ninth seed. Big difference. That's a big, big jump, especially in a you know pretty competitive Western Conference, all things considered. Let me ask you this to kind of start us off, and then we'll get more into the nitty-gritty of you know what the team has been doing so well uh, this whole year. Did fans realistically think this was a possibility going into the season, or are they just pleasantly surprised with how you know where they find themselves in the standings going into like about halfway through the season here? I think there's got to be a little bit of surprise uh, with how well they're doing early on. We thought there was going to be some, you know, some issues maybe on the court, getting the guys to gel together, Chet Holmgren being thrown into the system. And and it looks pretty flawless to me. The games that they have lost, they just haven't shot the ball well. Their worst loss was a home loss to uh, Denver. And then they go back to Denver about over a week ago and, and get the win, uh, shooting the ball better. So they're capable of, I think, beating any team in the NBA. But um, I think a little bit surprised of how well they're doing. Perhaps they they maybe not admit it, but it's surprised as well. But that just comes back to the head coach, Mark Dagnall, does it, and his staff doing an ex- excellent job of getting the guys to buy in, play unselfish basketball, basketball, and that's what they're doing right now. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens in January. If it's at the end of January – and they are still third, fourth, or fifth in the West. That's all, that that will be very impressive. Yeah, because they have a tough schedule coming up for sure. Yeah, and that we'll get to that in a second too. But that was going to be one of my questions. And you mentioned it yourself. You just said it. You just said it yourself. Um, <clears throat> I think they're currently uh, third in the whole NBA as far as field goal percentage goes. And I think they're mm-hmm. second as far as three point percentage goes. And so, is there a kind of fear among the fan base about? hey, this team is kind of living and dying by the shooting and that maybe this might fall off, uh, you know, second half of the year. And, you know, what, what's the fans kind of sentiment on that? Because that's always kind of a iffy subject. Things, you know, thing, fan base gets kind of concerned about when a team is shooting so well, because, of course, shooting, it can, can be a little bit of a, a roller coaster sometimes. It can go up and down. And so has that kind of been a fear of the fan base? Um, I don't know if it's a fear or not, because uh, Casey Wallace and Isaiah Joe have cooled off a little bit over the last week, two weeks or so, but uh, they're capable of turning it back on. Isaiah Joe can hit five threes in a game like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been an excellent player coming off the bench, coming over, uh, I guess, Philadelphia's mis- mistake by letting him go, and the Thunder quickly snatched him up. But uh, Casey Wallace can hit some threes. Uh, if those guys have an off shooting night, perhaps it's going to be a couple of threes from Shea, which is a rarity. He's more of an inside guy, drive and score and get to the free throw line. Lou Dort, corner three, is still good. Josh Giddy, a couple of nights ago, knocked down a couple of threes. That's you know that's not really not his forte, but if they're going to leave him open, he's going to knock down that shot. He's got a great shooting coach in Chip England to help him with his shot. Chet Holmgren starting to warm up a little bit from three point range, so they have some shooters. And some guys can be off some night and some other guys can step up. But they play good defense and they play team basketball. So if the shots, obviously, 
if you're a poor shooting from three, chances are you're going to lose. But last night they shot 60% from the field against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That was a big difference in why they won by double digits. And the other night they lose to the Lakers and LeBron. LeBron scores 40, but the Lakers also 16 out of 32 from the three-point line. So you got to tip your hat to them. You know, some nights you can't win them all. But uh, the Thunder more times than not are going to knock down that shot when they need it. Uh, I don't think the cold shooting is um, – it may be a stretch where they may easily lose two or three games in a row, but I don't see like a four or five game losing streak from this team at all. They're just too good unless there's a, some injuries along the way that we don't know about. And of course, injuries are everyone's number one opponent of course. in a season like this. Yeah, and you mentioned the team play of OKC. I mean, that's always been a thing that Oklahoma City has been known for has been unselfish play and team play. I mean, I think they are top five in the league, if I'm not mistaken. I think they were as of last night, anyhow, top five in the league as far as assists per game goes. And uh, when they pass the ball a lot, they definitely have a good record. I think I saw an article that, you know, games where they pass the ball 27 times or more, they're 9-1. and one. And uh, I think they're averaging yeah. right now just just over 26 a game. So, yeah, I mean, they're definitely, they definitely like to pass the ball around a lot and they get the ball, you know, they, they pass it a lot and they draw a lot of fouls too. And that's been another thing I think that's been a big, big factor for this OKC team. It's just, getting to the line and if you, if you want to talk to that you know talk on that at all just about their ability to get to the line and how crucial you know getting to the charity stripe has been for this team they just uh, they play uh, as i mentioned unselfish basketball they're very disciplined and uh, if they have a couple of possessions it could be the start of the game in the first quarter or the start of the third quarter if they have a couple of possessions in a row where they look like they took a bad shot or were trying too hard mark dagnall's not afraid to call timeout and just kind of correct this thing uh that reset hit the reset button but that's what i like about him he's not he's, he doesn't let a team run off like eight or ten in a row to start a quarter and they're like hold on we got to stop this this is not we're not doing this right, right. so uh, but the team doesn't take wild shots and obviously sometimes you got to credit the defense that you're down to the, the second on the shot clock violation so you gotta you gotta jack up a shot that's probably not going to go in but more times than not they're gonna they're gonna try to find the right shot and some of the games they've lost has just been some shots that normally the ball goes in uh and this you know those instances the ball doesn't go in and they lose by six eight points but um they take disciplined shots they don't take crazy shots, as I mentioned, and they don't care how they get the points, whether it's a fancy three or a fancy two-point dunk. Uh, they prefer, you know, if it's just free throws, you know, just put points on the board. That's what you're trying to get, right? <laughs> just Absolutely. Put, put the points on the board. We don't know how, it doesn't matter how we get them. Nope. Let's just get them. What's your thoughts on that before we get more into the, uh, you know, details of the actual team itself, OKC? I mean, how, I know, I forget, it might have been, it might have been like Durant himself that said it, I think, but. Um, are you kind of in line of this mindset in the NBA that offense is actually more important than defense, just considering how talented and athletic everyone is? Well, you have to score. Uh, yeah, there's no question about that. Um, I would I would balance it uh, probably 65 offense, 35 percent defense. Yep. But if you have five guys on the floor that can't defend, <laughs> you're probably not going to win. And I think that's what some other teams out there are struggling with. You know, they got the all-stars and they got the guys that could easily score 30 points a game when they're healthy, but they're not doing anything on the other end of the floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. sometimes that doesn't add up. But um, I would say you, you got to score. The Thunder uh, have been scoring well this year. They certainly did last night. Uh, but you need defense, though. I mean, you need the Lou Dort. You need Shea Gildas Alexander. You need uh, J Dub Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara. Their second, uh, their uh, hold on here. Their second pick in the draft 
two summers ago. They had Chet, and then they had Jalen Williams, and they had Usman Jang. So uh, you need guys like that that can play defense. But and and those guys I mentioned kind of do it both ways, defend and shoot as well. Yeah, I mentioned top five in assists, but they're top five in points too, averaging exactly 121 uh, points as of uh, Wednesday when we're recording this. How important has I mean not important, but how surprising has been uh, Gilgis Alexander? I mean, do you think he has potential to be most improved player of the year? Well, he was all NBA first team last year, so I don't know. <laughs> but even then, you, there's something even more about him this year. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, uh, I think, uh, averaging 30 points a game. He's either second in the league or th- I think he's third in the league right now in scoring. And I remember asking him a couple of years ago, uh, before the season even started, I'm like, you could easily average 25, 30 points a game if you wanted to. And he goes, I know, but I'm just, I'm not, I'm not that type of person. I want to get my teammates involved. And, you know, obviously he knows when to turn it on. I'm like, we need a bucket. I'm going to put a move on a guy and go inside and try to draw the foul and get a three-point play. So, but he is very unselfish. Uh, when he first got into the league, he was, you know, especially with the Thunder, he was shooting threes. You know, he's kind of toned that down. If he's wide open, he's going to shoot it. But you rarely see him come down the floor and just stop and shoot a three. That. You know, you saw that maybe yep. in his rookie year with the Clippers and maybe year year number two with the Thunder when they had Chris Paul. But he's kind of toned it down on the threes. That's that's really not his uh, forte. His forte is to dribble drive and dish and give someone the dunk or an easy layup or get a three-point play and go to the free throw line. But he's always at the free throw line. I, I don't have the averages on the free throw line, but uh, I would imagine eight to ten points every game are from the free throw line. And he's a good free throw shooter, too. Yeah, and Chet Holgram. I mean, let's if we're gonna keeping it on individual players. I mean, Chet Holgram, obviously first year in the league. Uh, how's I mean, how's he been received? He's been playing really, really well too. As people expected, he that he was gonna be a super, you know a superstar. It's just a shame that we had to wait a whole year. You know, you, you get your mm-hmm. you, you know you do what you have to do to get the second pick in the draft. You get your guy, and I, I'm a firm believer that I think if the Thunder had the first pick in the draft two summers ago, they would have taken Chet over Paolo Bencaro. But that's just my thought. I don't have any anything to really back that up internally and what they were thinking. But it just seemed like a, a Sam Presti, the GM for the Thunder, his type of guy, a seven footer that's lengthy, can shoot three play offense and block shots interior wise. So uh, that's what they're getting right now. I was so worried about that foot injury uh, two summers ago that, Oh, this, this could affect him. You know, figures we get the second pick in the draft. And then we got a guy that, you know, I always think about somebody like Sam Bowie, and then Greg Oden, you know, big guys that get hurt and they never have this have the careers they wanted in the NBA. But uh, you know, he has proven me wrong so far, and I'm I'm okay with that. But uh, there's been no issues with the foot; it didn't even come up. I don't think he even think he thinks about it. He's yeah. just trying to be better every day, and he has been a huge help. I remember last year there'd be countless games. I'm like, Chet would have blocked that shot. Chet would have got that rebound. You know, you think if, had Chet played? I don't know how many times I said it. If Chet would have played, they would have won the game. So it's nice to have him on this Thunder lineup and he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. He's going to put on more muscle. He's not going to be Hulk over, over in the off season. They'll put on five to 10 pounds. I, I would imagine for a couple of seasons, but they want him to be mobile. They want him to be quick on his feet, be able to dribble the ball up the floor if they have to. So he's not going to be a muscle guy by any means, but he is going to, he's a troublemaker for opponents because he can score down low and he can also score behind the line. Kind of, you know, not Greg, not, um, Joel Embiid type as far as the big mass that Joel has. He right. makes it so tough to defend him, but they want his game to kind of be like that, that can score inside and out. Yeah, I mean, 
uh, over 17 points per game so far. I mean, shooting the ball behind the arc, like you said, very well as well. And then uh, 53% uh, from the field. So, no, he's playing really good. And I think he's actually been – I mean, I know it's only his first year in the league really, but he's. I, mean, I think he's been under the radar so, uh, so far, especially uh, just given with how well he's been playing and being only his first year coming off a pretty bad foot injury too, all things considered, like you just said, Steve. So, But Jalen Williams too, speaking of a guy that doesn't get enough – uh, credit. I mean, he's been very vital for uh, for this team as well, especially, you know, when he comes uh, games where he shows up and he can score at least, you know, 15, 16, 17 points. I mean, he's been absolutely vital and very helpful for the for, for the Thunder. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's out there when Shea's on the floor, uh, you know, on the bench. He's out there, you know, he's kind of like their go-to guy. Uh, obviously, Chet's out there sometimes as well. He's a tremendous pickup. Someone did their homework and they got an A+. Plus. On the on the draft test because uh, he's been incredible. He was the uh, the twelfth pick in the draft two summers ago, and here you got a guy that uh, you know could potentially be an NBA All Star. Maybe not this year, but on down the road, that's pretty good value for the twelfth pick in the draft. And he's been you know he can defend as well. He's a good defender, a good shooter. He can create his own shot. So uh, I, he's only going to get better. And it, it, that's one of the reasons why they're where they're at right now, 19 and nine, because they have more than just Shea. They have more than just Chet. You know, you throw in J-Dub, Jalen Williams. It, it, he can score as well. So if Shea takes the night off or, you know, is resting, uh, I feel comfortable with uh, J-Dub go, getting in there and getting the points. So last time uh, the Thunder made, you know, made the playoffs. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are, are if you consider the play in the playoffs, but let's just say, uh, you know, the seven game series, the last time the Thunder did that was in that 2019 season. Um, and that was the first year before the play-in actually was even established. I think the first year the play-in was established was the 2020 season. Um, so my question for you though, is what is the expectations for the fans? Like, what would they just be, what would they be thrilled about it? Would they just be thrilled making, you know, past the, uh, past the play-in, you know, a six seed and above, or, uh, I mean, like, what is like the expectations for the fans now, given how well they've been playing, uh, this, uh, first half of the year? I would imagine the expectations would be making the playoffs uh, internally. That's what they want to do. They, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but that's their goal. They may not tell us in front of the microphones and cameras, but they definitely want to make the playoffs, you know, and keep trending the right way. If they don't, it's probably because of an injury or two that, uh, you know, no one can predict that. And that's very possible, not mm-hmm. only for the Thunder, but also for the Nuggets and the Clippers and the Lakers. Any, the, any the team, yeah. mm-hmm. They can get everybody. But I think a playoff – uh, is probably the expectation right now. Uh, can they win a playoff series? It all depends. You got to stay away from that seven, eight spot. <laughs> that seven, eight spot is dangerous because you got to play extra games. And there's a good chance that say, say Memphis works their way up into the 10th seed and, you know, they get job back and they get Marcus smart back. Mm-hmm. And that's a team you probably don't want to play <laughs> if they're a mm-hmm. 10 seed, because, you know, that's the reason why they were, down so low is because those guys were hurt and now they're going to be trying to race and get wins and so if they're a 10 seed or 9 seed that's a team I don't I don't want to play those guys so you know 6 6 seed 5 seed that's it seems reasonable right now and that's I think that's where you want to be you you want to avoid those playing games yeah and they shouldn't have a tr- I mean they really should not have a problem doing it it's kind of I don't know if you how much you follow the NFL Steve but it's really now and the Western Conference is pretty analogous to the AFC and the NFL I mean there's not really a Besides maybe the Nuggets, there's not really a dominant uh, team in the West. I mean, Minnesota's obviously at the top right now. I 
that seems a little fluky to me. I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like that's going to be something that is still the case at the end of the year. And then, like I said, besides the Nuggets, it just doesn't seem like there's a really a dominant team in the West. And then, of course, the East, you have dominant teams, just like you do the NFC in the in uh, NFL. I mean, you have Boston, Celtics, and the Sixers. They're going to be three dominant teams that you know will be you know, going to at least the divisional round. Um, so, I mean, it's just it's, it is kind of weird, right? Because and I want to hear any sentiments of like the fans, but it does kind of seem like they have a chance if they keep playing well and they most importantly just keep making the shots like they've been making and that they have actually have a chance not just to make the playoffs, but go far in the play. Cause like I said, yeah. there really is not that dominant of a team in the, in the West. Yeah. I mean, the win at Denver uh, a little bit over a week ago and they play in Denver, I think coming up on, hold on here, let's see Friday night. And so the Nuggets will be ready for that one to get some revenge, but uh, they've beaten the Lakers. They have beaten the Clippers. They've beaten the Nuggets in Denver. Uh, you know, they lost at Houston. For some reason, they can't win at Houston right now, and they can't win at Sacramento. <laughs> last time they won Sacramento, they've already lost there twice. And the last time they won there, Chris Paul was on the team. But, uh, you know, if they had to play like Sacramento in round one, I'd be a little leery of that. But, you know, regular season playoffs, as you know, that they don't they don't mean, you know, they can be different. It's a different animal when you get to the playoffs. It's like a chess match between two coaches and two teams. But um, there's really no one that we've seen so far that uh, they couldn't win at least two playoff games against. Now, can they win a seven-game series against the Nuggets? Mm, We'll we'll see. We'll see about that. But uh, the good thing about the Thunder is they have um, all those draft picks. So, and right now they're just kind of in that, let's, let's see what we have mode. Let's see what we have. What do we need? Well, I'm not sure what we need just yet. It'd be like someone asking you in July, Hey, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, can I get back with you? I don't know what I want. (laughs) That's too far. So we'll see what happens in the trade deadline. They can certainly help themselves out in the trade deadline. They feel like they look at the landscape in the Western conference and you you know what? I think we can get that guy. And all we have to do is give up this and this. If we got him, I think he's going to fit with this team. That's all about fitting with the team. They don't want anybody that's going to disrupt the chemistry they have right now. They have a really good chemistry. Everybody gets along with everybody. But if their uh, management team thinks they can find someone that can help them further along and win some playoff games, I think they would go for it. But they're not going to rock the boat with a major splash. But uh, they'll look into it. But right now, they're just kind of in a wait and see mode and just kind of see what they have. And right now, they have a 19 and 9 team uh, with the sixth best record in the NBA. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to. So you mentioned the draft picks coming up. I'm going to table that for a second. My uh, my second to last question, though, is I mean, the rebounding for Oklahoma City, uh, you know, the, 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 the Thunder, excuse me. How I mean, I don't think that's being talked about enough. They've been a team over the last three, four years, uh, and now I mean, synonymous for just not rebounding the ball well. They've been a very bad rebounding team uh, of late, but this year they've really done a, a great job of both defensive and offensive rebounds, and it, it's really helped the team. Uh, often, or you know, the, their opposing team isn't getting as uh, their second chance points that has been killing them all this time too. So. Just speak on how important the the rebounding prowess has been uh, for the for the Thunder. Rebounding is different now from when I was growing up. You need to you put the tall guy in the middle and you get the rebound after a miss. But with so many three point shots being put up, you have no idea which direction that ball is going to go after it hits the rim. It's, it, it may go in if it if it's short. 
which way is it going to bounce? So it's kind of hard. You could be underneath the basket blocking out and that ball ricochets 10 feet to the other direction. Mm-hmm. So the rebounding right. is, is an interesting stat because that ball bounces and, you know, with so many threes getting put up nowadays and, you know, less than half go in. So it's anyone's guess which direction that ball is going to go. Now, when it bounces, you got to hurry up and hustle and get to it. And maybe they were kind of slow to the draw on that, but you got to be quick and alert at all times. I can't remember which, I think it was all these games kind of blend together, but I think it was the game on the 23rd. Uh, I think it was Lakers. It may have been the home game before the Lakers. And it was a close game with about three minutes to go. And it looked like Oklahoma city then just hit the button and they got every loose ball and they got every rebound and they had the stops on, on, on the defensive side of the ball. So you can tell when teams kind of pick up the uh, energy, you know, to get those loose balls and get those rebounds and be at the right place at the right time. But the rebounding has been good. That that draft two summers ago was Chet, J-Dub, Usman Jang. And then you got early in the second round, Jalen Williams out of Arkansas, 6'8", 6'9", 6'10". I think he's 6'10", big burly guy. He's been a huge help for the Thunder now in year number two. Can also knock down some threes, but he's a bulk inside. He didn't get those rebounds as well. So that draft two summers ago is is one of the reasons why they're here right now. Third best in the West. Right. My last question, Steve. So you just kind of alluded to it yourself. Um, this has been really fun, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. But my last question. So say I don't know I don't know when, I don't know how many games will be played uh, come the all-star break, but say they're, you know, they're still Three, two in the West, uh, great record going to the All Star break. Um, well, actually, I don't know when the I don't, I don't know when the trade deadline comes into play in this either. But what is just I know I'm not going to ask you what they what they're going to get because you you said you know we don't know what we need yet, which is totally fair. But is there any indication that given that they are in a really good spot here come come the February eighth uh, trade deadline, is there any uh, indication that they will kind of make an all in uh, this year to? you know, try to, you know, not just make the playoffs, but make it far in the playoffs and, and beyond. Going all in, uh, I'm not sure when you mean all in, like trade, like five or six first round picks. and, and maybe Yeah. I mean, just get, get like, just, just trade a lot of picks to get like a big, big name mm, player. I'm not sure like that. I would say it's more like a rental. Someone that can, get, that right. can help you out for maybe, you know, the rest of this season and maybe next year a contract that fits within their salary cap. Uh, but there may be maybe calls out there made to uh, Sam Presti. Like, well, I didn't expect this. I got to think about this trade, but um, I would say right now, uh, I would say they would make some type of trade at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline um, that will help this team in March and in April and in those playoff games, uh, somebody with experience, I think right now they just lack experience in my in my mind. Just to you know, and, and the best way to get experience is just keep playing games. But uh, with yeah. them being so young right now, and, and never assume next year is going to be the better year. Uh, mm-hmm. I would never assume that. So if there's someone they can get some experience, uh, maybe helping with the internal rebounding, I can see them going for that. But uh, you know, there may be an opportunity out there that that it catches Sam Presti's eye. I'm like, okay, I like this guy. I really coveted this guy through the years and we have a chance to get him. And all we have to give up this and that for him. And I think that can help us maybe win the West or, or be in the conversation, at least go to the Western conference finals. I think he would really think 
long, hard about it and potentially make the move. But right now, I don't see them making a major move. But I think they make make something, at least a minor move, that could help them out. But they, they have a pretty good bench, I think. You know, yep. Kendrick Williams yep. and Cason Wallace and Aaron Wiggins coming off the bench, plus uh, Jalen Williams, Jay, Jay Will out of Arkansas. That's a, that's a pretty solid bench. So they have good experience. I wish some of those guys were a little bit taller. Uh, but uh, maybe height and experience is what they need if they bring somebody in. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Steve, it's just, just going to take patience, but you can't deny, I mean, I don't know, two, three years, I don't know what's going to be, but they're they're definitely on track to be one of yeah. the top teams in the in the West, especially, you know, Denver will start to slide eventually as, you know, just that's just kind of how it happens in the NBA. It's very cyclical. So, you know, they'll be on a slide at some point. Minnesota will be on a slide. And then I think, you know, like I said, two, three years from now, you can definitely – I wouldn't be surprised if you would find Oklahoma City as one of the top teams, if not the top-seeded team mm-hmm. in the West, uh, you know, going to the playoffs. Uh, so it's really exciting. One of the most exciting teams right now in the NBA. And, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for them for sure to, to keep yeah. up the success that they've had. I think what we've learned in the past is never assume you're going to get back there the next year. Never assume because right. uh, when they played the uh, Heat in the finals – they win game one, then they lose the next four, and they got rid of that two-three-two series. But uh, we just assumed Thunder fans that oh, we'll be back next year. And then in the playoffs against Houston, Russell Westbrook knocks knees with um, Patrick Beverly. He's out of the playoffs, and they lose in the next round against Memphis. And then Serge Ibaka gets hurt the next year at the wrong time. And then I think it was Scott Brooks's last year. They start their year without Russell and Kevin Durant. (laughs) And um, so, and they missed the playoffs that year. So, and then they they missed it, you know, take away a Clay Thompson game in Oklahoma city. And they're probably playing in the um, NBA championship. uh, And Kevin Durant may have probably stayed in Oklahoma city a few more years after that. But uh, you know, what's done is done. It's water under the bridge, but never assume that next year you're going to get there. If you, if you have a way to get there this year, I think you got to go for it within reason when it comes to trading. And I think a lot of teams feel that way, especially in the NBA. I mean, that's why I was actually, I was asking about that kind of all in mentality. But yeah, no, it's uh, you got to stay healthy. No, it doesn't matter what sport it is. That's for sure. You have to stay healthy. Yeah, we're seeing that in the NFL right now. There's a lot of teams in the NFL just limping to the finish line without their quarterback or running back or wide receiver or best defender. A lot of games, and it's yep. going to happen. And that's why the product has been a little bad for the NFL, too. That's a whole <laughs> other conversation, obviously. But, no, it's you got to stay healthy. And that's what Adam Silver wants, too. He's speaking from a financial point and a you know, uh, product point. That's he, he doesn't want players to get injured either, believe me, because it's it affects the product. So. Well, Steve, this has been awesome. Like I said, I really appreciate your time. Have to have you have you on again, and we'll talk some more thunder. And uh, like I said, love to have you on. Really appreciate it. No doubt. Hopefully, if we can talk later on this season, talking about a playoff. Yeah. we'll see. I'll love that. No, if they yeah, <laughs> I would actually love that. So we'll we'll be in touch and you know, get you on again sometime shortly. Okay. Take care. All right, Steve. Thanks. Bye. Okay, let's finish the show with our off the map and long hauls of the week. Justin, what is your off the map of the week? My off the map of the week is Chad Ryland, the kicker for the New England Patriots, making the game-winning field goal from over 50 yards against the Broncos, but also missing a field goal, a chip shot field goal, and an extra point. Still won the game for the Patriots. Instead of just missing the extra point and field goal, he comes back and he wins the game for the Patriots with a long field goal beating the Broncos 26-23. Uh, Ryland, not the not the best kicker, but definitely not the worst kicker. 
as he can kick from 50 yards, but very weirdly can't make chip shots at the extra point and the field goals. But Chad Ryland is my off-the-map of the week Patriots kicker. He's farsighted. Uh, my uh, my off the map of the week, going to go to college basketball, uh, women's college basketball. Juju Watkins, freshman for USC, playing absolutely amazing. I mean, she's putting up crazy stats as a freshman. Uh, second leading scorer, just behind uh, Caitlin Clark at uh, 27 points per game. That's, like I said, just behind Clay, uh, Caitlin Clark's 30 and a half. Uh, she's earned the Pac-12 Freshman of the Week honors in each of her first five weeks. She, uh, the Trojans are now at number six with a ranking of you know undefeated ranking of ten and zero, uh, reaching new heights for starting uh, you know for a freshman in fandom that's matching the likes of you know Angel Reese and Kate Clayton Clark. So she's been playing absolutely amazing. So yeah, that's my off map of the week. Juju Watkins, USC freshman, just playing absolutely off her mind and uh, definitely a name to look out for going down the stretch. Zach, what is your off the map of the week? Uh, it's going to be John L. Davis from Florida Atlantic, 35 points against Arizona. Maybe the best game of the college basketball season so far. FAU winning that game in double overtime. This is a team that, of course, made that Cinderella run to the Final Four last year as a number nine seed. I think this team's absolutely for real. They pretty much brought everybody back from last year's team. They had an early season loss against Bryant, which is probably going to hurt them in the seeding, but they balanced that out with a big win against Arizona. Highest ever ranking for this Owls program, number seven in the rankings this week. And Dusty May, I think one of the best coaches in college basketball, has done a great job with this program. Would not be surprised to see Florida Atlantic make another deep run in the NCAA tournament. Long haul. Justin, what is your long haul? Finish this up. Long haul of the week, the Chiefs. And that could be the maker of the week. <laughs> that could be basically, I mean, not the maker faker, of the week, faker. the faker of the week. And, I mean, that is definitely just, I mean, the way they're playing the way they're going about their their stuff, the way they're going about their business. A lot of commercials, a lot of off-the-field gossip, a lot of this, a lot of that. Right onto the field it goes, and that's why they lost to the Raiders. I am tired of the Chiefs. I mean, they deserve to lose in the first round of the playoffs, if you ask me, with the way they're playing. The softest team in the NFL that's going into the playoffs, probably, and they will. Yeah. My long haul? Uh... <laughs> switching up the baseball Dodgers being a world series favorites. I mean, we've already kind of talked about this. Obviously they got Yamamoto and then uh, Shohei Otane this off season, uh, two of the biggest free agents on the market. So uh, obviously, especially Shohei Otane, but they still need pitching. I mean, Yamamoto definitely uh, solves that for them, but they have shown no signs of being able to win the postseason. Obviously D backs this year. And then the Padres the year before that, uh, both years, they lost in the playoffs to those teams, and they had uh, World Series aspirations of both of those years. Like I said, they still need pitching, and I just think despite their regular season success, the Dodgers have not really been good in the postseason. And uh, until they can really show that, I'm not really going to put them as World Series favorites, and they need to show me more in the postseason. And that narrative isn't going to really change to me unless they, until they start proving that otherwise. So, yeah, that's my long haul. The Dodgers being a World Series favorites, I think – uh, you know, we got to see it first before people can really start hammering that in. Zach, what is your long haul of the week? Potential wild card matchups include the Kansas City Chiefs against the Buffalo Bills. You talk about a great first round matchup with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. We all know about their history in the regular season and, of course, in the postseason. Then you've got in the NFC, you've got the potential to have Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit to play the Lions and what would be the Lions' first home playoff game since 1993. I mean, you talk about juicy storylines. That is about as juicy as it gets. And then 
I, I think a team like the Cleveland Browns right now is five seed playing probably the AFC South winner. I think they're in a prime position to win a playoff game and give themselves an opportunity to make an AFC playoff push. And then right now you'd probably get the Cowboys and the Bucks. Some of these wildcard games just absolutely fascinating. And if these hold up, I think we're going to have a great postseason. A couple years ago, remember, basically every game was decided by a touchdown or less. Last year there was a little, there were more blowouts than there were the previous postseason. I think we're going to have a nice mix this year. I think we're going to have some great matchups. And these wildcard games right now look really intriguing. Yeah, no, it's going to be, it's a weird season. Like I said, there's not really, uh, but there's like one, like one uh, absolute, like an absolute contender that you really can't argue, which is the Ravens. But uh, I mean, there's three, there's obviously three in the NFC, but even they are kind of shaky right now. And that being the Cowboys, Eagles, and um, 49ers, obviously. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a weird year. A lot of, uh, it seems like for, for a time there, everyone was a seven and eight or, uh, you know, eight and seven or something. And it just was like, it was a, you know, half the team, it's half the league was just, just in that middle land. And it's going to be an awesome playoffs for sure. And with a lot of good matchups, like you said, Zach. All right. Good show. Uh, best of on sat- Saturday, most likely no show on Tuesday, uh, but we'll be back on Thursday and have a happy new year's to everyone. And we'll see you all uh, next week. But until then, uh, keep on traveling and be safe over New Year's.